Welcome to Dubs OT, your weekly Warriors podcast on thesportsvirus.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Woodson and Joe Castellano. Well, Ray, the Warriors are over 500 again, and who knows when they'll get back to 500, but at least they're on their way. They're in the eighth spot right now for the NBA playoffs. Another great game for Steph Curry in the 123-108 to victory over New Orleans. That's 41 points for Steph to give him nine 40-point games this year, 40-plus, and he's had six of those in the last 15 games, and, you know, he was really on his game, and, you know, the Warriors executed well. Steve Kerr talked about how they executed their game plan as well as they have all season. Well, they, they came out right away, and this hasn't been the case all season long. Uh, they looked locked in and focused right away. Um, you know, the task was to basically disabuse the Pelicans of any notion that they have a chance to get to the, the last playoff spot. And, you know, really to, to crush their spirit, they had to win this first one tonight. This was almost must win uh, for the Pelicans. So to the Warriors' credit, they came out and they got a big lead and they never lost it. Um, you know, there have been some troubling moments with this team. You just don't know what you're going to get from game to game, right? They, they right. started out very flat in Houston. And, and, there was a point where I was saying, you know, this team looks mentally fried. They're going to have to need uh, another nuclear month from Steph to to get to the playoffs. I'm not so sure the, the way they're going. You know, the trends weren't looking good. And do you remember in that Houston game, Steph was off to a very close, cold start, and then he made a a corner three, I think it was, or maybe it was a wing three. Anyway, he finally made a three, and he just let out a yell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think he sensed right then and there they needed a boost, and he was going to have to be the guy who gave it to them. And that got himself going as well. And sure enough, they came back and they won that game, a game they should have won. And, you know, he started out hot tonight. It's going to have to be on his shoulders. That's just the way it is. And, you know, if you get some complimentary help, great. I mean, Draymond played a tremendous game tonight at both ends of the floor. They got some key buckets from Wiggins, you remember there at the start of the fourth quarter, it looked like the Pelicans might come back into the game, and Wiggins comes up with 10 points to, to help out the second unit, and they, they held their own tonight. But it, it, you know, it starts and ends with Steph, and he got them going on Saturday against uh, the Rockets, and you know, he got them going tonight, and you know, he, he helped deliver the finishing blow as well. So they're in a much better position now than they were la- last week. Uh, they're starting to look a little shaky. They've gotten it together enough to where they've got a chance to get down to the eighth spot. And I was thinking about myself tonight, Joe, the way the Lakers have been falling. Yeah, they're not playing wouldn't well. It, wouldn't that be funny if the Warriors knocked out the Lakers? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It could I mean, happen. That's in, that's in play now because, you know, the war, well, I, I expect the Lakers to get it together. You know, LeBron just came back, and so they're they're kind of – working their way back with him, and they're not in sync yet. I, I expect them to be. They, they won the championship last year, so they're not a bad team by any means, but they're struggling right now. And, you know, they. I have heard LeBron criticize the play-in, uh, and I, I think he's going to like it even less if they have to play a play-in game. Uh, but, you know, at least for the, on the Warriors' side of it, uh, things are looking a lot better. 
Yeah, I mean, and if you get into that eighth spot, I mean, it's a big key, I think, especially for a team like the Warriors that can go from a great game to a clunker. Uh, you can afford yeah. to lose a game, and then you still have a chance. You can still play another game and still get into the regular playoffs, so to speak. And I think for a team like this that's so inconsistent, that could be very big for them. Yeah, yeah, that, much more important to get the eighth spot. And, you know, if you're on the road this year, I don't know if it's as much of a factor as it has been in past years. As, well, I mean, last year they were in the bubble, but it, you know, a couple of years ago you go on the road and it's a hostile environment. And now you've got arenas that maybe seat a couple thousand, four or 5,000 people, and it's not quite the same intimidating atmosphere for a road team. So uh, I don't think it's going to be a tremendous disadvantage if they have to be on the road uh, for a play-in game. And like you said, so important to get to that eight spot so where you might get a second chance uh, to, to get into the next round and, you know, face Utah or Phoenix the way, the way things are going. But, you know, you cross that bridge when you come to it. I, I like, I think for this year, I think it was probably the right thing to do, to do the play-in. I know it seems gimmicky to a lot of people, but you had a shorter season, so this is going to create a little excitement. Uh, I'm sure some people are worried that it's going to be so exciting that they'll they'll keep it. But I, I don't I don't know if that's really going to happen. <laughs> and I, I think Draymond Green's going to be on board with this if the Warriors make it. I mean, he'll be a little more motivated by it. I mean, he had made some comments about how he wasn't that excited about a playing game, but you could tell that. I mean, he really wants to make the playoffs. He has a triple double in yeah. this Monday game against New Orleans. You know, ten points, fifteen assists and 13 rebounds, and, and I really, I'm always fascinated by watching the combo of Green and Curry, and especially in this game, I mean, it, it kind of looks like Draymond's the quarterback, and Curry is the wide receiver at times, where yeah. you know, he's trying to get open, he's yeah. doing everything he can, he's darting all over the floor, and Green always figures out a way to find him. Yeah, well, they have that, that synergy, as does uh, Looney and Curry as well. Looney knows yeah. exactly what to do and where to be uh, when, when he's in the game, but uh, yeah, th those are the two that are going to have to carry them, of course. It's got to be Draymond and Steph. They've got the pedigree. Uh, they know what it takes. I just wondered, and I think we both wondered throughout the season, I mean, what are they really thinking? What Are, are they motivated? Are they? Sometimes it didn't look like they really gave a damn whether they made it or not. Um, the, the, the way they were kicking games in the late going, whether they were kicking games to inferior opponents, losing twice to the Wizards. Uh, you just don't know what you're going to get from game to game. So, like you said, they they could come out tomorrow and, and throw a clunker <laughs> against the very same team they beat tonight. I just they're so unpredictable in that way. But uh, having said all that, they they put themselves in a decent position now because uh, again, getting that first win tonight was so important. It really cuts down the possibilities uh, for the Pelicans, and and it's it's got to be those two. And and I got to say, Draymond did a. Real nice job tonight, both ends of the floor, but defending Zion Williamson, which can't be easy. You've got to be strong to do that. And, you know, Zion's going to get his buckets. He's just kind of a bully out there, even at age 20. And imagine what he's going to be when he's 24 or 25. Oh. I mean, if, if he develops a consistent outside game, uh, he's going to be a holy terror. Uh, he's, he's hard enough to guard as it is. But Draymond does it as well as anybody. And I think Steve Kerr said postgame, if there's one guy in this league he'd have to defend Zion, it would be Draymond. And the thing about Draymond is, um, and, uh, you know, you notice this, they talked a lot about Curry's getting stronger. Draymond's always been pretty strong. And he's got tremendous length. Uh, and he's, he's 
excellent at defensive positioning. He's smart, and he understands how to defend a guy like Zion because do you remember um, a few years ago when and he recently retired, LaMarcus Aldridge? Yeah. But he was just lighting up the Warriors, and then they put Draymond on him, and it was a game at uh, Oracle Arena, and he just frustrated the hell out of LaMarcus, who was used to you know backing in, getting his space, bullying people, and all of a sudden he, he went up against Draymond, and he couldn't get to his spot where he wanted to take his jumpers. Draymond always had him a couple feet out from that, and that's when you realize, hey, this guy's really strong to be able to handle LaMarcus Aldridge, and he did a real good job against him. And, of course, he's done it against a lot of players. Uh, and, and, you know, it just reminds us that when Draymond is fully engaged, uh, he is a generation, generationally great defender. I mean, he's, he's one of the very best of this generation when he's on his game, and we saw a good example of that tonight. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I was watching uh, Warriors talk. Uh, and they had Draymond Green on, and he was saying that he's the best defender of all time, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, that's that's confidence, and, I mean, it's debatable, but, I mean, the great thing about Draymond is that he can guard different positions and the fact that he gets rebounds. I mean, he closes out the defensive possession that way, and I agree with you. I, I like the way he played Zion, who's a beast. I mean, he he's just he's so hard to deal with because he's 6'7", 284 pounds of muscle. Just He's thick. Oh. And I don't know how anybody ever stops him because he's also pretty quick in the low post. Yes. Uh, yeah, he, he's a quick jumper, too, on top of everything else. So explosive. And I, I'd imagine a lot of guys end up with bruises in their chest from going up against <laughs> Zion when he lowers his shoulder. Uh, and I'm sure Draymond's got a few from tonight, but he's, he's just as strong. And, you know, again, he's got the veteran knowledge as well. And I don't know if he's the best defender of all time. Really hard to, to compare from from generation to get generation because the game has changed so much. But he's definitely one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, no doubt about that. Did you see that play, or do you remember the play, when Curry kind of uh, pushed off Williamson to get some room? And I, I think he, yeah. got, he got away with one, but it's almost like you almost have no choice. I mean, how are you going to separate from Zion when he's, he's so yeah. strong? You almost have to push a little bit. Well, yeah, and, and if you're a ref, you're saying to yourself, well, I mean, Steph's really not strong enough to do that. It's like you don't believe your own eyes in real time. <laughs> You know, it's like nobody can push Zion out of the way like that. Of course, Zion had his back sort of turned to him, and that's a, that's a savvy veteran move that Steph made to, to get himself some space. Uh, but, you know, nobody believes that he could really do that unless Zion was going that way to begin with, that if he really stood up against Steph, there there wasn't – he was going to not move him an inch. But that's, you know, that's, that's part of the, the chaos and the and – the, I guess the strategy, if you're a veteran player, of, of learning how to you know, fool referees in real time when things happen so quickly, and that was one of those times. And you know what? I mean, there's a lot of talk about how Steph doesn't get the, the best treatment from certain referees, especially when he goes at the lane for a layup and he gets banged up. But he, he gets away with some stuff, too. Uh, he doesn't, you know, get the the veteran treatment that some other players do, like James Harden. But he gets some, and that was one example right there. Yeah, you know, he had foul trouble. I, I think he had four yeah. fouls in that. I want to say it was the third quarter. And I don't know how he doesn't foul out of the game, but he, he just knows how to play defense without fouling, especially when it really counts. He ends up 
with five fouls. Uh, I, I just kept thinking, man, he's going to foul the game and the Warriors are going to be in trouble. And they brought him actually yeah. in a little earlier in the fourth quarter than they normally they do. I think did. it was about the eight-minute mark. Well, I was thinking the first half, they, they didn't get him in there until about five-something to go in the half. And so that, that's almost like you're borrowing a minute or two. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, this game, that showed you just how important Steve Kerr regarded this game. We've talked about this time and again, you know, being flexible to read the situation. And tonight was a very, very important situation. Make sure he got in there and, and locked this one down because it was maybe the most important game of the year as far as making sure you've established that playoff spot and, and you know, to, to, to crush the hope of the Pelicans. This was the time to do it. So I'm glad that Steve Kerr brought him in another minute or two earlier, and it was necessary to do that, to hold, hold them off. I think that, you know, uh, when you're a desperate team like the Pelicans, you, you figure they're going to have one more run in them. So that's why you have Steph in there to kind of, uh, you know, stunt the effects of that run. Uh, so I, I was I was thinking that very same thing. I said, okay, good. He's showing the urgency. Steve Kerr is showing urgency right here, right now. You know, the whole team, I think, kind of showed urgency. And you think about Andrew Wiggins, there was a chance that he wasn't going to play because of knee soreness. He ends mm-hmm. up playing more minutes than anybody on the Warriors. And as you mentioned earlier, he had a really good game. He scored 26 points. And there have been games where you felt like he didn't show up, but he he looks like he's motivated to really play well here down the stretch. And, you know, I, I noticed there was a pass that Curry made to Wiggins that I thought, you know, that, that pass, I don't know if that connects at the beginning of the season, but now they really know each other so well mm-hmm. at this point. And, uh, you know, those passes along the baseline are going to connect more often. Well, I'll tell you what, Wiggins has uh... – as as he does quietly, he's he's stepped up in some some big moments, and tonight was certainly a big moment. And he's been doing the job defensively all year. I I think he's one of a handful of players, or maybe the only player who has sixty steals and sixty blocks so far this season. So uh, he's been doing the job uh, at that end of the floor, and doesn't get recognized for him. And, and you know, again, very very important, especially with Ubre out to have him in with that second unit to provide some offensive punch. And that's exactly what he did early in the fourth quarter that uh, maintained that double-digit lead. So, uh, you know, we've kind of questioned him sometime this year. Is he involved? Is he really engaged himself? But, uh, you know, down here, down the stretch here, he's one guy who I think has played pretty well. Yeah, he has. I mean, that, that's helping a lot. The consistency that we talked about, I mean, you, you look at – go back to last week when they lost – by 30 to Dallas, and that seemed like an important game. And then, you know, yeah. lose to Minnesota, and we've talked about the disappointing losses all season. I mean, how do they react after this is going to be key because you're going back-to-back yeah. in the same city in New Orleans against the Pelicans again. Uh, you know, you can get a little complacent, but you really shouldn't get complacent right now. No, this is exactly the time not to, but, you know, it is the way this season has gone, everybody's expecting it. <laughs> Well, I don't know about everybody, but I am. I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they came out flat tomorrow night. I mean, that's just the way it's gone. They can't get a, they can't get distance from 500. Uh, and you know, let's face it, the urgency won't quite be there like it was tonight. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, they're, they're not there yet. They haven't clinched a playoff spot. They're getting close. But if they win tomorrow night, it's all but done. So. That that's the sort of the mental trick you have to play to to convince yourself that it's still very 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 important. But the fact of the matter is, it won't be as urgent. It'll be more. The third game will be more urgent if they lose tomorrow night. Yeah. If they do have one more game with the Pelicans, 
but that's the psychology of the season. They, they, you know, they, they've risen to the occasion at times, and other times, you just sit there and go, "What are you doing?" Yeah, you, you know, you, 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 the, the, Steve Kerr said that the Dallas game was the most important of the year, and they just laid a stink bomb. So I don't know. I really like I said, I, the box of chocolates from Forrest Gump. I don't know what they're going to give uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I just know that you know when when they come up with an effort like they did tonight, you're pleasantly surprised, and that's just the way you have to deal with it. And a lot of times it doesn't matter who the opponent is because we've seen it both ways. I mean, they get up for some of these top teams and and beat them and then lose to a lousy team. I mean, you got two games coming yeah. up with Oklahoma City at home, and then you got Utah and Phoenix, two of the top teams in the NBA at home. I mean, I guess the advantage is that you are at home here for a bunch of games after this trip to New Orleans, you know, to finish up the season. So uh, you would think in your mind that, okay, this is going to be a lot easier. Yeah. We've said the phrase, you would think. (laughs) A A lot. lot Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, well, you thought wrong. (laughs) You know, just just don't really know. I mean, I'm living in fear of playing Oklahoma City because I don't know if they're going to rise – to you know, are they going to sink to the level of the competition? And, and then I fully expect them to turn around and play hard against Utah, you know, who they've beaten. So and they beat Phoenix earlier this year. So I, I as God is my witness, I can't rightly tell you what they're going to do from night to night. Uh, you know, we I know what they should do, what they're capable of doing, but it's just been so inconsistent all year. So. They should they should be a little bit better than this record. There's no doubt about that because they've blown some close games and they've blown some games against teams they shouldn't be losing to, like Minnesota. But it is what it is. That's where they are now. Just trying to make the best of it. Maybe maybe they finally figure it out here in the in the last few games and probably best case scenario get to the eighth spot and then we'll see what happens. The other big topic of conversation here in the last two weeks of the season, and we touched on it last week, is MVP and whether or not Steph Curry is the MVP. I mean, he's kind of been on the outside of the national conversation, as we joked a little bit about last week, but you can't keep him outside anymore. I mean, he's in the conversation. He's leading the NBA in scoring. He's been having an incredible you know, last couple of months of the season. I know these other candidates are outstanding. I mean, Embiid certainly has a great case. Jokic, I mean, there's, there's plenty of other candidates, but I have to have Curry and, you know, in a handful of candidates looking at it and, you know, being biased, I have to say he's the MVP because this team has no shot without him. The other teams do. It's, it's, it's like we're living in a gaslit world, Joe, because they're not talking about him on the national stage. They're just not. <laughs> I mean, we watch these games and we know that they would be last year's team without him. They'd be that 15 and 50 team right about now. They'd have no shot to get to the playoffs without him. So, I, again, I don't know how that doesn't define a most valuable player, but I'm watching the Nuggets game over the weekend, I think it was on ESPN, and they all but handed the MVP to Jokic. Huh. So, I mean, that's the, that's the world we're living in. It's a world where they just kind of write off Steph, uh, even though he's, he's every bit as valuable as he was the two years that he won the award, and including the year he won it unanimously. Uh, and of course, he was huge for them in the year that he wanted unanimously. He had an incredible year. But what he's doing now, especially in the months of April and May, are historic. And that's what it's going to take. And it's what I said a couple of days ago. It's going to take another nuclear effort from Steph to get them going. That's what it's take, uh, taken for them to be at this point 
where they're just a little over 500. So, you know, they're either not seeing it or they decided that what they saw wasn't that important. Because they're not talking about him. <laughs> he's, he's not the one of the three in the conversation. It's just, it's mind-boggling. It is. You know what I'm going to remember from this telecast that ESPN had on Monday night was the video they had of Steph. I had never seen that before uh, as a 12-year-old, and he was taking yeah. uh, you know, a three-pointer, and he, he took one from you know the logo near half court as a 12-year-old and made it. Now, I don't know how many attempts he had before that video w- was put out, but still, he made it as a 12-year-old. And I'm thinking, wow, that, I mean, that just is impressive. I'm going to remember that. Oh, for him, it's like making a cup of coffee for us. You know, it just comes natural. He's been he's been checking for twenty years or more. You know, from 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 the logo, so it's no big deal for him. And you, you know, the one little move he likes to do uh, when there's the two for one situation, it's getting down to about thirty five seconds, and he lets the ball roll, and you know, he's playing the cat and mouse game with the defender, and I think they're starting to get onto him because you, you know what he'll do. They'll, the ball will go a little bit past midcourt, and then he'll he'll gather and he'll fire right away from wherever, <laughs> 35, 40 feet. And, and, and he makes it half the time. It's just crazy. It's absurd. But he's been doing that forever. Uh, it's just such a – being around the courts in the NBA, it's been just part of his life for so long uh, that there is no situation that he is not uh, – phased by you know he 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 can handle everything that comes his way because he's seen it before um so this is the guy who has kind of had all these things converge he's stronger than he's ever been he's got more experience than ever and he's coming into a year where he's relatively fresh and you know we thought he was gonna come back and be pretty good i didn't see this coming i have to be honest where he was this great uh, and what he has done in the last month is going the, it's going in the history books. Oh, yeah. And the thing that's most impressive to me, Ray, is that when you knew Clay Thompson was going to be out, you knew that Curry was going to get so much attention. Every game that's talked about, whether it's local or national television, every analyst is talking about, okay, Curry is getting a lot of attention. He's getting a lot of defenders flying at him, and he's still producing this way. That's the thing that's most impressive yeah. to me. He's got double teams. He's got players all over him, but he's finding other players open, and him and Draymond have this thing going on where they can just you know slice up the defense when they start coming at Steph. Well, yeah, they're two-man game. They, they're, they're in total sync, so they can figure out ways to get the ball to where it needs to go, but you know they'll throw three defenders at him, but I was pointed out on the ESPN broadcast tonight, three defenders are chasing him. Yeah, now they're, yeah. They're, they're not cornering him. They're chasing him because you, you do that enough. And he's had that kind of treatment for a long time. Now he figures out ways to get around it. Uh, so this is, this goes back to in the NBA and Rick Barry likes to say defense wins championships, but good offense beats good defense. That's just always the way it's been. And you know, they look at everything they've thrown him. I actually think I saw a kitchen sink. <laughs> rolled out in front of him in one game. He went around it, you know, and they throw a big up against him and he dribbles around it. Uh, you know, there, there's some nights where I think he looks a little tired and, you know, not quite as, as quick and he still figures out a way. And, you know, he's got that sidestep move where he, he creates space when he's breaking somebody down in the dribble in three point land and they can't stop it. It's, it's for a guy who plays pretty much below the rim. It's, it's um, the most amazing dominant player I've seen. And he is a dominant player. 
because, like I said, everybody's focusing on him. Uh, they know they know that you're going to try to get the ball to him, and once in a while they don't. And a complimentary player makes a bucket here and there, and that's nice. But it, it just all seems like an interval to when Steph is going to to go off, and he doesn't disappoint. Most of the time, he does not disappoint. And you have 41 tonight, and you know you go back to the fir- since the first of of April, and it's not just the points; it's the efficiency. It's off the charts. Yeah, and uh, also I thought Vince Carter made a really good point as the analyst on the ESPN broadcast about Jordan Poole learning from Curry. I mean, you're not, you're not going to give all the credit to Steph for Poole's emergence because he's gotten a lot better, but I think he's learned some of his moves, especially the way he drives to the basket now, his stop-and-start move that he has, and mm-hmm. I mean, he's finishing so much better. I mean, sometimes he's on with his three and sometimes he's off, but the way he finishes now compared to last year and the year before, it's just night and day. Uh, it's a quantum leap for him, and of course, it's enticing because he's a bit bigger than Steph, so uh, he could end up being a, a really good finisher. And he's, he's, you know, learned the reverse layup and how to be slippery and how to get separation on the step back three and all that stuff. And he's doing it pretty consistently. So, uh, no better guy to have as a teammate for Jordan Poole, I think, than Steph Curry. And it, it seems like it's rubbed off. And you know, this is also the work that, that Jordan Poole put in in the off season as well. Um, you know, his rookie year was a uh, kind of a disaster. I mean, he went down to Santa Cruz, and it, it looked like it wasn't going to happen for him. Uh, we were really wondering if he was going to be around after a couple of years. Uh, but he's taken it very seriously, and all the credit to him for being one of the most improved players in the league. I don't know who's going to get most improved, but he's he's got to be right up there. He's not a good defender yet. He's not a great defender. And And oh, by the way, and I tell people this all the time, Steph is a better defender than he gets credit for, which is to say he gets no credit, right? <laughs> but but he's he's certainly better than not having a defender out there. That's kind of a left-handed compliment. But uh, he's he, he is absolutely better than people think. Uh, he yeah. doesn't find him, you know, he's, he's not going to be able to take on a bigger player all the time, but you don't see him out of position too much. No. Um, and and of course it's it's that defense is really connected when Clay is out there, and oh by the way, um, just as an aside, you notice uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, and I love the minutes he's giving this team at both ends of the floor. He's starting to do that uh, Andre Iguodala swipe down, you know, strip uh, where where his left hand will just whack the basketball in the hands of the opponent like Andre used to do and probably still does. Uh, he's, he's got that little technique going. I found kind of interesting that he's added that to his game. And, you know, he, he said post game that when you have Steph on your team, it's like you're in a street fight and you got Mike Tyson on your side. You know, he said, you gives you that, you know, you, you puff your chest out a little bit more when Tyson's uh, on your team. And that, that's the way it feels. And, you know, I mean, just enjoy it. I say it all the time, but enjoy it because that window for Steph where he's this great, you know, maybe a couple more years, which would be amazing in and of itself for a guy to play at that level at the guard position until age 35, and he's 33 now, and he doesn't look it. No, and I mean, Juan Toscano-Anderson has been a great story. East Bay kid uh, who grew up rooting for the Warriors and now playing, so that, it's like a dream come true. It's been pretty good. I was, was going to say, I like what he said post game. He said, you know, I know how to fight. <laughs> it's like, dude, I don't doubt it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he said, it's just you've got that much better feeling when you got Steph on your side. So 
I, I, I just love that guy's personality. And I, it sounds like uh, everybody in that squad loves him, too. Absolutely. All right, well, the big key is don't go out on the Bourbon Street if you're the Warriors. Just, uh, you know, focus on tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get nothing but, uh, well, it's it's going to stink and you're going to be miserable. All right. <laughs> There's two things you can count on in New Orleans. You can have a good time, but it's going to stink. And at one point, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> you hang out on Bourbon Street too long. Absolutely. <laughs> Stay away from the hurricanes. Absolutely. All right, Ray. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again next week. All right. Sounds good, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Dubs OT Warriors podcast. Join Joe Castellano and Ray Woodson again next week on thesportsvirus.com.